Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. That was a little taste of the band, the legendary band, Ace of Cups. That was the song Fantasy. And standing by to kick off the show, I'm really excited about this, is Denise Kaufman. She is from the band Ace of Cups, and she's joining us right now. And uh, before I bring her on, I just want to let you know all her info and her album trailer is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And I want to quickly mention we we are right in the middle of our fun drive. We do need your support. Uh, This is our 50th year. We're trying to raise $50,000 to commemorate our 50th year and to support our next 50 years. And we would love your support. We're a team of volunteers. We run 24-7. If you're not familiar with our shows, we have an amazing, eclectic array of shows from public affairs to music. Everything is on there if you want to visit www.kuci.org. And I will be talking about the fun drive over the next hour. But if you call right now, Sheldon is standing by to handle the phones. 949-824-5824 is the number. And even just a $50 donation is equal to barely $4 a month, 96 cents a week, or 14 cents a day. And it's less than the cost of a daily newspaper, and surely that's Starbucks. All right, let's bring on Denise Kaufman from Ace of Cups. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Hi, Janine. Hi, this is so <laughs> exciting. I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Me too. And especially around kind of around the Mother's Day energy, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know this. I don't think I told you in an email, but originally when I came to the station, I had the show Moms Rock the House. Oh, no, you didn't say that. Yeah, Perfect. it was so much fun. Um, so for those who don't know about Ace of Cups, shame on you, by the way, <laughs> if you don't know. Um, but you're legendary. And tell me about the backstory about this band. Well, I, you know, I have to say a lot of people don't know about the Ace of Cups just because we never made a record in the 1960s when we were first playing. We got together um, 1967, January, yeah. and played for the next four, four and a half, five years. Um, and because we never got a record deal, and that wasn't so unusual because basically no all-women bands, and there weren't that many to begin with, and none of them were getting record deals in the 60s. Yeah. Um, you know, people didn't hear about us. And, you know, in, in the days before the Internet, if you didn't make a record, nobody heard, knew about you outside of the people who heard you. You know, because you weren't on the radio, so you didn't get to tour, and you were just a local band. Um, We toured a little because we toured with the Jefferson Airplane and some of the other, you know, the Bay Area bands. Yes. But unless you you actually saw us or knew someone or, you know, your mom or dad saw us. Right. People don't know about us, and we, for most people, if you were a fan of the 60s music, we were a name on a poster, you know? Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention that you were chosen to open for Jimi Hendrix the week after right. his performance. And Jimmy was a, big, was a fan of the Ace of Cups. He loved us. Amazing. Um, yeah. And the Dead. And Did the Dead. Wow. And all the bands. You know, we sang backups for Quicksilver, and we sang background vocals on a volunteer's album for the Jefferson Airplane, and Mike Bloomfield, and Nick Robinitis. So we were definitely very much, you know, appreciated and um, active in the Bay Area music scene. Okay. But, you know, we never, um, maybe we're not too known outside of that, yeah. 
So from 67 to 72, you were right enmeshed in the 60s culture. Uh, right. What was that like? Um, I would say the earlier years were better. <laughs> um, there were, it was just sort of a more sense of purity and mission and dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, after a whole bunch of people came from all over the country to the Bay Area, a lot of them being, you know, kind of innocents, that kids that came there and, um, you know, just weren't prepared for being in the city and didn't have uh, the kind of, there wasn't, I mean, there was as much support as local uh, agencies. There were a few, like the Huckleberry House, places that helped take care of kids that were runaways or, you know, that were trying psychedelics for the first time, right. all of those things, you know. But then sort of a darkness came in, and, you know, it's, if you read some of the books about that time, whether it's um, a Season of the Witch by uh, Stephen Talbot or, or uh, Subversive, so, you know, there's, there's definitely a sense that there was a plan by the larger governmental powers that be to inject um, hard drugs into the into the scene in San Francisco in the Bay Area to um, kind of take it down because psychedelics, which were you know what all of us were into in those early days, mm-hmm. had had the result of making people not want to uh, go fight in Vietnam. <laughs> so yeah, people were sure. resisting the draft in in large numbers. Yeah, and that did not go over well with the people who wanted uh, young people to go to war. Unbelievable. So, um, right. so there you were growing up in San Francisco, and you just saw so much that was going on in this culture at the time. Right, right. Um, yeah, I grew up right in the city, and then um, I went to UC Berkeley in the fall of '64, and immediately uh, got involved with the free speech movement and got arrested at Sproul Hall, and um, that was the fall semester. You know, 1964 was a pretty tumultuous time. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that it was inside the civil civil rights movement. That's true. The yeah. war. You know, there was um, a lot of cultural turmoil, and pe- students were really uh, rising against the injustices of the time. And uh, that was, you know, somewhat new for mm-hmm. this country, you know. <laughs> Sure, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So tell I, me. You know, I, go, go ahead. I, was, yeah, I went to Berkeley. I was a real passionate political person from the time I was a young kid. And so I had been like president of Youth for Kennedy in my junior high school. And, mm. you know, the summer after I graduated uh, uh, in Palo Alto, I graduated high school there. And I went to um, Stanford for the summer and took a, a course uh, on Latin American studies because the Alianza for Progress was, was Kennedy's a mission and mandate to um, um, be, uh, you know, to, to pre- help positive change in South America. So all of that I was really excited about and really felt that political change was what was needed in the country and certainly in terms of civil rights. Yes. And, um, you know, if you came up in folk music like I did, folk music people, especially the people that I knew at Stanford, though, some of those students had been in the South in the previous summer, uh, you know, on the voter registration drives and, you know, with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And, and so people came back to the North with stories and with recommitted activism, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And that was really influential for, you know, me. I was like 16, 17 when that was happening. So I want to ask you about your childhood. Were you always musical? Did you always have this spirit of, I'm going to, you know, be strong in my beliefs? And where does this come from? Yeah, it was, um, I always had that. Uh, my, we had a, you know, piano in the home. My mother had a really beautiful voice and played piano. My dad had, could not carry a tune, but had a great memory for lyric mm-hmm. and was, had been an a, a English literature major at Harvard when he was young. Wow. And so I think I, from him I got appreciation for writing and lyric. And, you know, after dinner he and I would read Shakespeare together. Oh, and, nice. And my mom, and my dad loved music, yeah. you know, but he just he couldn't carry a tune. So I think I got a little bit from both of them. <laughs> That's good. You're a blend of both. <laughs> yeah, my, my mom had a really beautiful, uh, you know, uh, sort of operatic kind of soprano voice, which I certainly never had. But um, so I'm somewhere in voice between my mom and my dad. But um, <laughs> but um, but there was, you know, in those days, we would go over to their friend's house, um, you know, our sort of adopted aunt and uncle, and we'd sit around with, you know, one of the uncles playing the accordion, and we would sing folk songs, you know, that that's nice. Entertainment, you know. Yeah. So they were always supportive of, and and then I started, you know, music lessons when I was like four, you know. Oh, so from so, the get go, you were musical. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. I at the end of it, I you know, I played piano for some years at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, and then I kind of rebelled against piano and got, picked up the guitar. I was about thirteen, fourteen, but and I was also in a thing called the San Francisco Children's Opera, mm-hmm. which was sort of these beautiful operettas that were written by uh, a wonderful couple who had emigrated from Austria um, and escaped the Nazis. Were not really escaped. They didn't escape, but after the war, they came to San Francisco. And they had this program where they wrote these beautiful operettas, and um, and they, were, they had a, a theatrical company, and I was part of that for many years. Beautiful. So there were always chances to um, explore music. Nice. Now, did your parents have a chance to see you in Ace of Cups? Yes, they did. And um, what'd they think? Uh, you know, because I got on the bus with Ken Kesey. I left Berkeley in my sophomore year and, and got on the bus. And um, so that was a shocking thing for them. That was sort of way outside the pale of what they thought of for their daughter. Right. You know, around as a merry prankster, you know, doing the acid test. So by the time I got into the Ace of Cups, which was early, 19, you know, as I said, 1967, mm-hmm. that was a, like, return, that was a great relief to them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that Why was, that? like, much less frightening than being on the bus, <laughs> you know, taking acid and, and you yeah. know, so, so it's like, oh, good, she's in a first all-women A band. band with a bunch of women, few. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was, like, much better. And they were really supportive of the Ace of Cups, and... um I was, this funny thing happened recently. Um, there's a fellow, he's a musical archivist uh, from back east. His name is Chris DeLeo. Mm-hmm. And um, he finds, among other many talents that he has, he will find footage that's on the Internet of things that that aren't labeled. So people don't know what the footage is from. And he knows enough to go, well, that is this band at that show. You know, and he'll he'll kind of be this rock and roll archaeologist. Nice. Um so there was a, when my parents once came to a show we did in Golden Gate Park, big show, Grateful Dead, everybody, you know, yeah. big outside show. 
and they brought my kind of, they're really dear friends who are sort of like an adopted aunt and uncle who were from Venezuela, and they were visiting San Francisco. My parents brought them, <laughs> and they were right up in front on the big outdoor stage with, you know, you know, tens of thousands of people, whatever. It was a big show, yes, right? right. And this was the only time this happened, but it happened with my parents and aunt and uncle right in front. Oh, no. I was singing, and this naked guy jumps up <laughs> on the stage and jumps onto my microphone <gasps> and is jumping up and down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> when you say, did my parents ever see the Ace of Cups, that was kind of the, the, the worst time. <laughs> Hysterical. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And this is my daughter in your band, but wait, who's right, this guy? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, God. So, yeah. so what point did you all decide to go off and do your separate things? I know it must have been obviously really hard. You hadn't put out an album. Well, you know, we started having babies, mm-hmm. um, and then um, that... Hold on for one second. Um, I'm going to... Can you hear the sound? There's a guy with a I blower can. outside. No, I, I just hear you. You're fine. Oh, good. Right. Um, um, we started having children, and we weren't getting a record deal, which was really the next step for a band where we were. That would have kind of taken us to the next level, and that didn't happen for us. And at a certain point, we just couldn't afford to... Um, yeah, I, I hear it a little, but I'm fine. It's it's so faint, the noise. It's fine. Okay, good. Go ahead. Right. You're fine. Yeah, okay. Um, so if we had um, gotten a record deal at that time, you know, then we would have been able to tour in larger venues and we would have had more financial support, but it was really hard to keep it going at the level that we were. Yeah. And um, at that point, and of course, motherhood, you know, was took a lot, and sure. we wanted to be good moms, mm-hmm. and we just sort of, you know, the and of course the other thing was that we sort of had our children sequentially. So right as soon as oh. we get over one pregnancy and have a newborn, <laughs> then we get back to playing more fully, and then somebody else was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> surprise. So, yeah, right. Um, and then right for myself, you know, for me, I. When right when my daughter was born, my daughter was born on Earth Day, uh, 1970, the first Earth Day. Oh, and a few months before that, the Quicksilver Messenger Service had recorded a couple of songs that I wrote, mm-hmm. and I got a really big check. Nice. Take some time off and be a mom. Fantastic. You know, yeah. it was real. It was great. <laughs> and so I didn't, um, you know, I didn't. And so that, so I, that, you know, that kind of I think made a difference in the band too. Is I just right. wasn't playing uh, out for a while, sure. you know. So I put um, your I put your uh, album trailer up on my show blog at thefunkoutshow.kz. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. What is it like to be um, still connected with the the women, all of you from this band? Uh, we. Oh, I lost you there. What'd you say? We never disconnected. Great. Um. Through the years, even though at a certain point we lived in different places, mm-hmm. uh, and we didn't get together as much as we would have, and that was just amazing. And it was just, you know, when by the time Mary Ann and I moved to Hawaii, Mary Ellen was living up in way northern California, kind of the Trinity area. Um, Diane was still in Marin. Mm-hmm. And our early uh, keyboard player in the original band, Marla, was living sort of 
in Hawaii or in Northern California. Everybody was in different places. Yeah. Um, well, those were the days where even phone calls were expensive. You know? yeah, sure. So, you know, we, but we all always stayed in touch. And then from time to time, we'd get together in threes or fours or sometimes five of us mm-hmm. and just play our music. We didn't really have any hope that our music would you know that we'd ever get to make a record at best at that point but we we still loved the songs that we wrote together and played together so when we got together we wanted to play our own music yeah and um that's what we would do and so we did that for 30 something years then in 2000 early 2000s um um, Alec Palau, who was representing at the time a record label out of England, uh, coincidentally called Ace Records, um, they do reissues, and they approached us about some of our old tapes, and then Alec worked for about a year with all of our tapes and uh, released an album, which we called It's Bad For You, But Buy It, made of live tapes from those days. Oh, I love that. Um, and that was really the first time that anybody who even was trying to find us could was 2003, 2004 when that came out. Mm-hmm. And by then there was the internet. So that made things much more, um, you know, it let people connect with us. And we started, we had a little website at the time and we started getting letters from people, messages from people from all over the world, you know, that were just like, I love your music. Oh, that must you know? be great for you. That was really exciting and gratifying. And, you know, we just, because our music had always been, expressive of our hearts, mm-hmm. but it, it's really something when somebody writes to you and they go, you know, I'm like 23 years old, I'm a, a, a guy, I live in Buenos Aires, and I've been waiting for your music oh, all my life. Oh. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I actually heard about you either through June Millington of Fanny or uh, Brie, right. Brie Darling Howard. Um, right. Yeah, and right. Cause they mentioned you before, so I looked you up on YouTube and everything, and that's how I reached out to you. Um you have, you sent me some great songs. Uh, how do you? What's the process of you know creating producing these songs? Do one of you come up with some ideas? Do you work together writing? Uh, all sort of all of the above. Sometimes, okay. um, like I write on my own a lot, mm-hmm. um, and have brought songs into the band that I just wrote. And Mary, yeah, Mary Gannon has done that. Mary, yeah, we've all done that. Um, uh, but we do collaborate on the record that you got the new, on our new album. Yes. Cups album. Um, there are some songs that say Mary Ellen will bring an idea into the band or she'll bring a partly written song and then she and I will take it from there and collaborate and I'll go, well, no, let's move that to there and let's do this and how about this for a second verse? So um, there's that kind of collaboration of two of us Yes. and sometimes it's three of us and sometimes... Totally right, all together. We mm-hmm. just—that's great. Sounds just, like the yeah. chemistry is still there that was originally there. Yeah, exactly. You know, we have a lot. Of the album that we sent you. Um, Wait, you're breaking up a little bit. Um, I'm sorry. That's the, al- um, the album that you sent me. Yeah, um, which is our new release from this last November, a double album um, on High Moon Records. What happened for us was that George Wallace, uh, who owns High Moon Records is a guy, he's my daughter's age, uh, but he's a huge aficionado of music of the 60s. And he approached us after he heard the the live album and wanted us to um, 
see if see if we had any more archival music. And as he met us and and then really started helping us get together to play, he decided we needed to make an album of you know the music that we've never gotten to release. So we recorded with our producer Dan Shea, basically four records. They're not all finished, okay. but we it turned into it started as you know one LP, and then it turned into two, and then it turned into three. Oh. And by the time it started to turn into four, we decided to release a double album last November and another one in a year. And so we recorded like thirty six songs, and we still have more. Amazing, so. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, uh, we have to wrap up soon. But where can people find out more about you and Ace of Cups? Well, the, the Ace of Cups website is a great resource. It's just aceofcups.com. Okay, and that's got you know music on there. It's got videos. It's got interviews and all kinds of things. So yeah, and and our record can be bought, and it's in every format. It's our LP is our real art piece because it's got a twenty-seven page book in it, and it's. I saw really that. Amazing. Offering. Yeah. yeah, the LP is, uh, we're really excited about it, if you like vinyl. Um, but we also have CDs, and we also have, you know, on Spotify and Amazon and, I mean, um, you know, Apple and every every got place it. that music is uh, played or streamed, you can find us. Fantastic. And also, um, all the information about, like, if we're playing out, I know, I think you have an event coming up on the 17th, but it's... Yeah, this, yeah. this next... Um, Friday, we're playing in Santa Cruz mm-hmm. uh, at a really great um, event at the um, um, Rio Theater, and it's a benefit for the Monarch Services, which is a, a family services organization against violence and abuse. So that's um, this Friday night. And then we're going on tour, Northern California, Oregon. We'll end up in L.A. Uh, July uh, 17th for the Venice uh, Music Festival. Great. It's a free festival in Venice Beach. That's close to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we've got to wrap, but I want to thank you so much for calling in. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I look forward to meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. I totally look forward to meeting you. It looks like we're geographically desirable friends, so let's stay in Definitely. I would love that. Denise, thank Thank you you so much. much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was Denise Kaufman of the legendary band Ace of Cups. If you missed any part of our conversation All you have to do is visit the show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, and you can listen to the full conversation there. You can also follow the show on Twitter at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock.